Chapter Five of Colonel Greatheart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. Colonel Greatheart by H. C. Bailey. Chapter Five. My Lady Leap takes off her petticoats. My Lady Weston had the misfortune to wed a man whom she did not amuse. She was the mother of a daughter with more brains than herself. You would not expect her to find life pleasant. After Sir Godfrey's death, she was doubtless more at ease, but she had made the mistake of loving him. Her daughter was not unkind, but plainly had no need of her. My Lady Weston, in fact, had not enough to give for any one to need her. Her private tragedy was that she knew it. The happiest days of all her life were those in which Gilbert Bourne trusted her with the tale of his first shy hopes of her daughter. It was such a one as Gilbert Bourne, joyous with a thousand frank enthusiasms, for whom in truth her nature was made, and listening to his shy, eager confidence, she could dream her youth back and a glad wooing and happiness sure. But when he grew bolder and Lucinda kind, he wanted no more of her mother. My Lady Weston had again to efface herself. That was her trade. Lucinda was not troubled by her mother as she sat in the white room of the manor by Gilbert Bourne. He wore still his somber petticoats of the road, but she was resplendent. An apple-green gown clung close about her, with embroidery of silver on her bosom, and the full light fell, always she loved light, through her rich hair, and came with mellow ray to caress her slender neck and shoulder. Gilbert Bourne adored, and she smiled. "'Heaven, do you know how you fire a man?' he cried. Her smile faded a little. He saw a strange, defiant gleam in her eyes. Are you afraid of flame? I have something to give the man who fires my heart. He caught her closer. Lucinda, you! Such a gift as no man ever enjoyed yet. You are the very wild strength of life. She laughed softly, looking out at the night. I would take more than I give, she said. That cannot be. All of a man, his soul to fight with yours the world through, to worship you and guard and serve you. Oh, I give you all, all. But tis nothing for what you give in love, all the fierce full glory and joy. Lucinda! He crushed her hands in his. His breath was on her cheek. She turned her head. Teach me your hunger, she breathed, her lips close to his. Then he laughed, as if all were one. Dear, you were made for delight. You shall sound every note of love and throb to the music. I'll wake. Out of the black void beyond the window, a gentleman in buff, rose to the light, a swart Puritan trooper. A moment he gazed helpless. 
the duplication of petticoats in this wooing plainly confused him then he grabbed the shoulder of each in the name of adam which is the man of you he roared i wonder if lucinda ever fully forgave her lover that ridiculous moment she repulsed him in a spasm of passion that sent him into the puritan's arms and herself out of them so that a dozen more righteous warriors breaking into the room saw their comrade embracing one woman with a violent fervor while another regarded him in crimson palpitating horror their natural moral emotions held them a moment gaping oh fools groaned the first comer for gilbert bourne was hammering doubtily at his face this is the man ugh! and a man of wrath bind him with strong cords then they encompassed gilbert bourne and overwhelmed him bidding him earnestly not to kick against the pricks doing so with violence he was borne out then lucinda angry with him and the puritans and herself and all the scheme of things cried out it is a foul cowardly outrage the one trooper who was left buried his face in a kerchief not for emotion but because gilbert bourne had set his nose bleeding mightily oh that i were a man she cried stamping her foot i would swinge you for it but if i were a man you had not dared woman for what i know you are said the trooper in a muffled voice this is a confusing household to a godly mind she cried out in wordless passionate disgust he strode solemnly to the door holding his nose where are you going she cried what is your work what would you do woman he replied with much dignity i would put cold iron to my back i can be sorry for lucinda for indeed she got no more of those righteous troopers than that cornet jehoiada tompkins had been sent to capture a man of belial in petticoats and having done it was in haste to be gone gilbert bourne much disordered was straightly bound on his own horse and they bore him off to puritan justice at aylesbury it is now well that you should come to the loft whereupon fragrant hay alcibiade and matthew mark were snoring matthew mark felt the end of a riding whip separating his ribs he rolled over being ticklish and saw level with him on the ladder a lantern and the face of colonel stow which last said quiet saddle and vanished matthew mark kicked alcibiade who unawake kicked feebly back even asleep you are not a christian said matthew mark sadly infidel he took alcibiade by the ear infidel arise alcibiade sat up he yawned cavernously on matthew mark i shall never be ready for the resurrection said he i understand your fears of it said matthew mark and having by this time got his boots on he vanished down the ladder whither groaning but swiftly alcibiade followed in the stable below royston was at colonel stow's elbow what is the campaign jerry said he in a low voice if the gentleman be taken i must set him free 
quoth Colonel Stow, busy with his saddle. Colonel Royston confesses that he did not see the need. To him the issue of the affair appeared humorously just. Why, Jerry, says he, it was a scullion's trick the lad played you. It belongs to me to save him, said Colonel Stow. Colonel Royston turned to his own horse. Chivalry, he reflected, is the most dangerous engine against women, a sex ever unchivalrous. If Jerry would outshine this Gilbert Bourne and dazzle his Lucinda, no better way than to play Quixote. Thus Colonel Royston, who did not suspect his friend of a like profundity, and therefore admired him. Soon they were riding through the stormy dark, Alcibiade and Matthew Mark bearing each a shoulder-load of trace-rope. Colonel Stowe might be Quixote at heart, but he had another man's head, and ten years mingled campaigning to help it. Nor to him, nor to Royston, did the affair loom arduous. They knew themselves in such matters. They rode to the double rank of elms by the road to the manor, halted a while to listen, and went on some way. Then, at a word, Matthew Mark slipped to the ground and wove a thick tangle of rope across the road from tree to tree. He came back and mounted again and held the horse of Alcibiade, who went afoot, crouching. So they waited there in the blackness while the trees rustled and groaned. It was not long till the troop of Cornet Tompkins came clashing on. Cornet Tompkins was in a hurry, and thereby his first files met the graver destruction. Their horses, crashing down in the strong network, plunged madly, and upon them came comrade after comrade, till half the troop was lost in blind, roaring chaos. Swiftly the while behind them, Alcibiade wove new ropes across the way and fled, so that when the rearward men tried to rein back, their horses in turn were overthrown, and there was a double distracting tumult. In the stormy dark none could help himself or another, nor see nor guess how they were beset. Blindly they raved, and Colonel Stowe and his friend, calm engineers of terror and disaster, hovered on the verge, marking down my lady leap. Out of the thud and crash of the struggling horses and the yells and shoutings of angry, hurt, frightened men, Cornet Jehoiada Tompkins was heard exhorting scripturally, his desire being chiefly to hew a gag in pieces. But a gag they caught none, for Alcibiade and Matthew Mark, unseen, unfollowed, were already neatly away, and Royston and Colonel Stowe, plunging purposeful into the midst, had broken through with my lady Leap and her horse a sandwich between them before any one knew them for foes. Some bright mind marked the prisoner going in the gloom and raised a yell. Some plunged after. But thereupon from all around the compass came a crackle of pistol shots. Colonel Royston, with some small aid, could ever be ubiquitous. It sufficed. The Puritans had no mind to scatter in a circle of foes. Well on the road to Little Kimble, Colonel Stowe drew his rein and my lady leaps. You will doubtless go faster without your petticoat, sir, said he, and began to cut her bonds. Zounds, do you tell me you know what I am? cried Gilbert Bourne. 
I have the honor to wish you joy of your manhood, sir, said Colonel Stow gravely. Gilbert Bourne muttered some oath. Once free, he tore off his skirts and settled himself astride. That is the road to Thame, where you should be safe, said Colonel Stow. I will swear I am not such a cur as I seem, Gilbert Bourne cried. Egad, sir, I ask your pardon. Colonel Stow bowed. There is no question of pardon, sir. I give you good night. Colonel Royston is moved to record that he was sorry for Mr. Bourne. Fetching a compass toward Aylesbury, they came comfortably home again, but were scarce in before there was a rumble of horsemen. Royston put out the lights, Colonel Stow shot the bolts, and they went lightly to bed, so that when three minutes after there was a monstrous din at the door, the whole house was patently asleep. It was some while, and the noise growing ferocious, before a light was struck in an upper room, and the night-capped head of Colonel Royston was thrust into the night. He yawned at it capaciously while the Puritan troopers bellowed up to him. "'An ungodly lascivious noise,' said he. "'I think you be malignants.' It was made known to him that they were poor servants of the Lord of Hosts, who desired to know if he had any word of a movement of malignants there or thereby. Colonel Royston gave them in definite terms a description of the character, and a prophecy of the fate of those who troubled the sleep of the godly with vain questionings. End of chapter 5